Welcome to the Hump Podcast. Uh, you are here with Christian Naylor, Micah Hescock, and Garrett Crawford. We have just finished up a series on spiritual disciplines, and now we're stepping into a new series, something interesting, and I think you guys are going to like this. We're talking about childhood Bible stories. And that's right, these stories that might have been on your nursery walls, they might have been, you might have had the VeggieTale characters of these stories, uh, but childhood stories and their true meaning. Sometimes we just hear the story itself, but we don't look into the deeper meaning behind the stories. Uh, so we're going to look into that today. I think before we start, do you guys, do I need to go ahead and tell them what story we're? Or, yeah, go ahead, go for it. All right, well, I was going to leave it for surprise, but I'll go ahead and tell you guys. Today's story is Jonah. And the book of Jonah, we're looking at Jonah swallowed by not a whale, but a big fish. Uh, but we know it as Jonah swallowed by the big whale. Uh, and if you remember Veggie Tales, you remember this story very well. If you went to vacation Bible school at any time in your life, you probably know this story. They probably least, worked in Jonah and the you fish at some point. In, yeah. <laughs> they could have been talking about Moses and somehow or another Jonah and the, the, the fish. year. Yeah, somehow <laughs> or another. Somehow they'd work it in. You know, the snack. Oh, yeah. If you have goldfish, oh, yeah. it's probably something oh. related to Jonah. But it's just, a, it is a fun story that uh, I think it is just fun to hear because of the insanity of what happens mm -hmm. and something that we don't see in today's time. In uh, the story itself, it, it's a very short book of the Bible, it's only four chapters long. And uh, but I think there's a lot more packed in here for us that you might not realize at first, especially if you just uh, remember it as stories from from childhood. Uh, and we're going to look at the story of Jonah and look, even look at the man of Jonah uh, and maybe some things that might surprise you about the prophet himself uh, and his character and his conduct. For sure. Hey, that's a great intro. Christian, what did it lead us in, man? Long intro. I was worried you were going to forget one of our last names or something. You can be like, Mike, yeah, kind of hear it. Crawford. And <laughs> Crawford. <That's not. laughs> Should have done it like it was an NBA arena. Garrett. <laughs> Crawford. 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 <laughs> trail Jonah's of... crazy. Jonah's a, it's a fun book, mainly because, and I was saying this earlier, um, uh, Jonah's a really bad prophet. <laughs> like, he's yeah. not a good prophet. You'd expect you expect him to be a great man, uh, just being in the Bible. You know, you think about guys like, I know David messed up, but he's still, you know, after God's yeah. own heart. Uh, and you think about guys like that, but Jonah, you don't want to be like Jonah, to be honest. Well, and two, every other prophetic book that we have is based off of the teachings of that prophet. Um, they're called oracles. Uh, so, so the book has like, huh. we have a little bit of narratives and then a lot of oracles where the prophet said something like a, a sermon or a writing that was directly from God. Jonah's one of the only, it, the only prophetic book that is narrative and not oracle. The only like oracle that comes is when Jonah has his psalm or prayer or whatever to the Lord. There's, there's not any, you know, Jonah preaches in narrative in chapter three, but it's not written in oracle. It's written in narrative. And, and so it, that's, it's so distinctly different from all the other prophetic books in that way. And also it, it really shows us that, you know, Jonah probably wasn't the best prophet in the world. And in fact, um, there, there is another prophet during the time of, of Jonah 
named um, Amos. Amos was a prophet from, he lived in Judah, which was the southern kingdom of, of the Is- Israelite people, but he prophesied in the north at the exact same time that Jonah prophesied. And it's, there's a lot of scholars that laugh because they say that Jonah was such a bad prophet that Amos had to be a weekend preacher and come up and, and do Jonah's job for him because Jonah didn't do his job. Um, it's just, I, hey, God can use uh, anybody. Yeah, and he will, and yes. he will. Yes. And that's kind of the story of Jonah, I think. Um, you know, I think it's, it's overarching. You know, you've got the story that you got this guy, Jonah, who God says, here's what I want you to do. And Jonah's like, eh, kind of thinking the opposite. Literally gets on a boat, sails the exact opposite way. You know, stormy. Jonah's like, all right, it's because of me. Jumps in, um, swallowed by a big fish, stays in the big fish for a little while, repents, goes to Nineveh, um, where they slap people with fish via VeggieTales. Um, and we are the pirates. Yeah. So he goes to Nineveh, and then and then they all he preaches his little sermon, and they all repent, right? All of Nineveh realizes what has happened. The king puts out a decree, basically, and and kind of commands everyone to believe in this Israelite God, and God saves them all. God has mercy on every single one of them. And at the end of uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, he says they had a hundred over more than a hundred and twenty thousand people uh, there in Nineveh, and they're all saved. And Jonah is not happy about it. Yeah, you have the most sarcastic line in the entire Bible in in Jonah. I love reading um, that line because it, uh, in chapter four, Jonah says to God. It says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious, and he prayed to the Lord. And I love thinking of this in the sarcastic tone that Jonah said, says it in, because he would have sounded like, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was in my country before I did what you called me to do? That's why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you were a gracious and a compassionate God. You're slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. You're one who relents from sending disaster. So now just take my life because it's better for me to li- to die than to live and see these people being forgiven by you. Like that, that's the most sarcastic and, and ungrateful. Like Jonah is mad because he knew what God's character was. In fact, um, so so the book of Jonah is a prophetic book, but it's called a theodicy. Um, do you all know what a theodicy is? Oh, never heard that. Okay. So a, a, Something about God. Yeah. Theo. And Theo to God, see yeah. would be like group of stories. Eh, close. I, it's, I was going to the Odyssey. To I don't know. Um, so Job is also a theodicy. The book of Job is a theodicy. But a theodicy is is a book, a narrative. The 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 t h e o d i c y. Um, yeah. it, it's it's a narrative that or or some sort of writing that goes into a discussion about. Um, the way God interacts with people, about, about the way God either shows his goodness or his justice, his anger. Um, it, it's, a way, it, it's a way to show how God interacts with creation. And most theodicies show it from the vantage point of God bringing justice, showing anger. You know, the theodicy of Job is about how God brings suffering to Job. 
and how God is still good, even though he brings the suffering on Job. Um, and most theodicies are like that. Job is a backwards theodicy where, where um, Jonah is a backwards theodicy where Jonah is mad because God doesn't angrily bring disaster on Nineveh. Job is mad because in this theodicy, God shows that he's gracious and compassionate and full of mercy. So it's like a flipped upside down book. Jonah is such a weird prophetic book, but that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, when you think about Jonah to me, you know, and I want you guys to chime in on what Bible lesson about Jonah did you learn as a kid? What, what lesson were you taught? Like, Oh, this is the story of Jonah. And this is why we blank, you know, whatever. Um, to me, I remember it being, um, basically just follow God. (laughs) It was like, don't turn your back on God. Like that was pretty much the Bible lesson was, you know, don't turn your back on God. It wasn't so much, or you'll be punished, but it was just a, it's better to follow God's leading kind of an idea. And that was really it. Um, and you know, I don't know that I ever had any teaching on Jonah, um, before, probably before, honestly, probably before college that, that went past chapter three, there's four chapters. Like you never got to chapter four. You never, you know, and I read, I think when I, um, really like was, was in involved in studying my Bible and, and, and was really reading it. I think I, I don't remember what it was, but like the first time I read that, I was like, oh, there's more to the story after Nineveh. Like I just like, oh, and all the people got saved. Amen. You know, that was it. And that's like you don't hear because, the other part of it. And, and it's sad because in the structure of Jonah, chapter four is the most important right. part of the book. Right. Like everything right. else preludes to the object lesson that happens in chapter four. <laughs> And, and we miss that a lot because we, we Did just you all have any other differing teaching points as a kid. Like, was that what you all were taught or did you have like incredible Sunday school teachers? I remember not even, so actually one of my camps, uh, it was one of the first camps I went to the, the theme. I think it was my first year was I am Jonah. Mm. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if there was exactly what they were, uh, I mean, I, I am Jonah. I, I think it was more of, you know, the mercy that God showed Jonah mm-hmm. uh, when he didn't deserve. It was more of that, you know, he had turned yeah, uh, yeah. and kind of, you know, relating like, yeah, we are Jonah in a sense that that I think that was the teaching. Um, and, and I think we went through the whole book. I know we did because that was the whole week. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. One of the teachings that I had was based off of the three nights, three days and three nights he was in the whale um, and how you know, this was actually when I was in high school. So I wouldn't say that I learned this when I was younger. When I was younger, I learned the same thing as you, Micah, just kind of talking about don't turn your back on God. He's going to make you go where he wants you to go anyway. Um, But when I was older, I heard this teaching about how Jonah is an archetype for Christ and and how, you know, Christ went down into the belly of of darkness and then arose victorious afterwards and, and was right where God wanted him to be. Um, I don't know how how much of a messianic prophecy that is within Jonah, but that that was a teaching that I had um, when I was younger, um, which you know it stuck with me. It, it yeah. is powerful that the imagery that's that's used in there. But yeah, I don't and know to if that's the point to uh, backpedal a little bit, I do want to say that I'm not saying my teachers didn't teach me the right thing. I'm just saying what I heard. So yeah, <laughs> I may have been taught correctly, Jonah, but all I heard was. Nineveh and uh you know it ended at Nineveh but you know I think it's interesting you you look at this story and I like that Christian said I am Jonah I think 
I think we we all are Jonah in our own sense. We all one mm-hmm. run away from our calling. Two, um, I think we get upset even when we're following God's leading. All right, God, you know, I, you know, I know you want me to go to the University of Wisconsin and study botany, whatever. I don't know, but Jeez. yeah, I heard Wisconsin's got a great botany program. I'm just kidding. I have no clue, but <laughs> no, we follow it. But then when things maybe don't end the way we thought they were that what we thought they were going to we get upset and we're like wait wait what the heck god like why did that's not right you know and like jonah in the story is like oh whoa 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 i thought i was gonna get to watch all of them get exploded yeah you know i thought i was gonna get a front row seat to uh what's that director uh michael bay i thought i was gonna get a front row seat to michael bay film right um michael bay for all of these that listeners that may not know who that is he's the director of transformers and any movie that has a lot of booms he probably has a part in it yeah, he's the director of Boom. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting to see that I think we all have a piece of Jonah uh, in many of these stories that we're going to look at. None of, Not all of them necessarily we're supposed to see ourselves in. We're just supposed to learn something about who God is uh, and, and his interactions with people or the theodicy of God and uh, his interaction with people. So we don't always have to see ourselves in a story, but I think we can all see ourselves in Jonah. Well, I think too. I think that's a pretty power, a pretty um, cool way to describe it, Christian. I am Jonah, um, especially like I, I think you know Veggie Tales does a good job of kind of making it kid friendly with uh, the Ninevites throwing fish and slapping people with fish. Um, but in reality, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrian Empire was brutal. Like like they made other empires look like cakewalks they would boil people alive they would uh draw and quarter people like um they they were awful they were ruthless like they they were more ruthless than babylonian empire the egyptian empire they they just wanted to conquer at whatever cost and jonah knew just from observational skills alone that the northern kingdom of israel was next i mean that was the way that assyria was spreading within their empire and so for him to see God relent against these people, he knew that God was essentially saying, well, you know, I'm forgiving them. And potentially your people, Jonah, are going to be destroyed as a consequence of me showing forgiveness to them. And, and you know, if I was Jonah, I wouldn't be too pleased about that either, especially from a national perspective i don't want my my nation and my people to be destroyed if i'm jonah i i would be angry with god too and especially since in jonah's case he was unwilling to concede to the perspective of god he was only wanting to see things from his own perspective um yeah and so with jonah we can kind of almost get stuck in the same mindset so so jonah as as an israelite uh and garrett did you say he was he he was it was jonah in judah no jo- jonah was israel he was northern kingdom okay got yeah. it so, so with jonah in the northern kingdom and as the israelite uh being a part of god's chosen people you know he would thought that that god was only for israel and in his people but what god shows jonah in the story of jonah is that god's mission includes all nations uh and, and maybe for jonah at that time he was built up with pride thinking that that God was only for him uh, and his people, and it would never be for somebody so evil like the Ninevites. 
but that's the beauty of what we see in Jonah, that, that, it, that it's more than Jonah getting eaten by a big fish, but, but God shows mercy. Uh, to, he can show mercy to any person at any time uh, to whomever he desires. Uh, and we, we see this beautiful picture that God is showing mercy to a people who do not deserve it, yeah. uh, which is all of us. But, but especially when you think of what Garrett said about the Ninevites, as bad as they were, God still, he shows Jonah that, hey, I, this is what true mercy is, is offering it to, to even this nation, one that you wouldn't even count at all. Uh, and I want to show mercy to them and compassion. And that, that alludes to the New Testament in so many ways. I mean, think about the struggle that the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians had. I mean, even Peter yeah. at the beginning, the struggle he had with accepting Gentiles into this new sect, in his opinion, his new sect of Judaism, because he didn't see pagan believers as being able to come into this relationship with God. I mean, this was something that was um, present even in the, the beginning of the church, that, that attitude that Jonah had of, you know, why should they deserve you um, if we're your chosen people? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, Christian, you said something good, and Garrett actually uh, told me this verse at the time I needed it. Um, Romans 9, 15 through 16 says, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy. And this is quoting from Genesis. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Uh, and this, the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah is a great verse or a great chapter, a great story, a great theodicy of, you know, was that used right, Garrett? Yeah. Okay, it's good. So it's, it, yeah, it's a great, it's a great image of God's mercy and it's an unending mercy and what we have to wrap our minds around and it's hard to man who is God for he told us Jesus tells us I didn't come for the healthy yeah. I, I didn't come for you I, I came for the sick and if you really want to start listing the sick let your mind wander to the sickest of the sick and that is who Jesus came to earth for that is who I mean, he died on the cross for all of us, but what I'm saying is he even, he even died for those. His mercy doesn't stop at the people we, we think don't deserve it, mm. you know, and, you know, scripture even says where, where, you know, where we are worse, his mercy is expounding. It's even, it's even more so. And so it's really hard for our minds to wrap around that. And I think we as humans, we're, we're the set and we'll probably get to the story at some point. We're the second son and the prodigal son. We're like, well, I've done everything right. How come I'm not yeah. being rewarded or being praised? And Jesus is like, that is the problem. It's not about you. It's, it's about saving the lost. And that's what Jonah does. Same thing with Jonah. He's like, Hey, what the heck God, this, this, uh, you know, this hasn't, this isn't what he preached that sermon. And there in chapter, uh, where are we at? Chapter three, verse four, <laughs> I mean, is this not the, for the shortest sermon of all time, the most converts? <laughs> right. right? I, I think this is it says, on the first, on the first day, Jonah and Nineveh started in the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. <laughs> and it says the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on the sackcloth. Right. So, I mean, he literally says like eight words and everyone's like, okay, we're in. Another <laughs> thing though about that is, and this is something else that would have frustrated Jonah is it's very likely that they didn't just throw aside all of their other gods and start worshiping Yahweh. They probably just added Yahweh to yeah. their list 
for sure. Yeah. It was natural for a, a, a polytheistic society like the Assyrian Empire to just add in another god. Hey, this god says that there's going to be wrath against us if we don't worship him. Okay, we'll just start worshiping him. And that's probably more or less the attitude that they had. And that was probably what also upset Jonah. It's like, hey, God, they're, <laughs> they're just throwing you in so that as a scapegoat, in case they, in case you destroy them, why, why are you letting that? Yeah. Letting them get away with that. Yeah. So the king puts out his decree, and here's the last part of it. <laughs> this is what the NIV says. This set words it. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not perish. And I think that feeds into exactly what you're saying, Garrett. The yeah. people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This dude up here is saying there's a God who's going to destroy us. All right, we'll do what that God says, and we'll just add that to our other gods. You know, who knows? Maybe we won't get destroyed. You know, we'll, can't hurt, right? That's their, their mindset. And I, so, so we, again, as humans, and we can put it in our own terms, people on death row, murderers, rapists, killers, does, if we're going to ask ourselves this question, does, do, we, do we not want God to have mercy on them? Does, can God have mercy on them? And does he? It's a tough question to ask because we probably know the answer, but we might not like the answer. And I think this is where Jonah, this is a perfect, and I think Garrett's explained it well and set it up well, is Jonah's like, God, these people are awful. And not only are they awful, now they're just saying, okay, we'll follow this God too. Throw him in with other thousands of gods we have. You know, he'll, he'll get along with the God of my wheat over here that I pray to, to hope that it's good. Right. And so I think, I think we're just like Jonah. I think we see, we can see a lot of ourselves in Jonah. And I've talked about this recent, like in the past couple of days with some people uh, talking about some other topics. Don't you want to follow a God that you don't understand? You know, like, do we really want to follow a God that we, that we get everything that he does? We're like, oh yeah, that all, you know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if we, if we understand everything there is to understand, that would be a shallow belief system right it would be a shallow faith but it's it's i I get what you're saying and i i you know i think when you make that commitment to say i'm trusting in a god that i don't understand and i would rather follow that when you choose to do that i think it's easier to, to do that but i think a lot of people are comfortable with following a god they do understand even though there's no they they realize there's not really power there. Do you, does that make sense? I mean I mean every no 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 yeah that's but I'm, that's what I'm saying like would I know what you're I'm, yeah I I got yeah. you you know and some people's answer is oh yeah I want to follow the God I understand because it's easier because yeah. I get it but there's more power behind following the right. God we don't understand but, yeah. we, but we there's not there's a level of discomfort there because we're saying well I don't know what to expect from this God I mean maybe he will just forgive people, even though it doesn't make sense to me. Um, it, as, as Jonah's saying there, um, you want an interesting sidebar about, about God's burning anger. Of course. You, you, you know what that, God gets angry. Well, in that, um, verse <laughs> just where the King, um, says, who knows, maybe God will relent and he might turn from his burning anger. You know how that is worded in the Hebrew? Uh, sure. No, fiery, I, I don't know, but I want to know. A fiery nose. The word for burning anger oh. equates to a red nose. Huh. I have a red nose right now, it looks like. Because I guess the assumption was anytime you see someone get mad, their face turns red. And their yeah. nose uh, 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Burning anger equals red nose. Interesting. Yeah. But But anyway, that was my sidebar. No, I mean, that added to the conversation. He had a red nose. Um, That's an anthropomorphism, Garrett. This guy doesn't have a face. You like that? (laughs) Garrett's not the only one with big words, folks. 400 points for Micah. (laughs) Hey, puff my chest out a little bit, you know? Speaking of big fish, we're talking about Jonah and the Whale. You guys know what the biggest fish, uh, well, sorry, the biggest striper, I'm assuming it's the biggest fish in the lake that we have. I don't know. Someone would probably correct me. You know what the biggest striper here in Lake Cumberland was? First of all, let me tell you, in the world, the, the biggest, the current freshwater world record of a striper is 60 pounds and five ounces. Do you have a guess as to what Lake Cumberland's biggest is? It is not the world record. I'll tell you that much. It's so it's lower, than, it's Six, lower than 60. Hold on. So it's lower than 60? Yeah. 55. 58 pounds and four right. ounces. And I was – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know who caught it, but that is a monster. I can imagine. And that's the – well, the scariest part is those are swimming around people's feet. Well, <laughs> those are probably a little lower than, than six feet, I would guess. I don't know, but I would think. But they come saying, up to the surface, yeah. they would have to. I'm sure uh, they come up every once in a while. Yeah. So speaking of big fish, that one could almost eat me, I think. It'd be close, not quite. I but know. yeah, Maybe. you know, I think I think Jonah um I think well, the lesson aspect of Jonah that is tough for us to grasp is a theme of Jonah is the sovereignty of God. And when we ever, whenever we think of, the, okay, so the sovereignty of God is, is means that God is in control, that God, no matter what, has ultimate reign, ultimate control. He's in charge of all things, good, bad, ugly, in between, and it's all un, in his hands. We are fine with the sovereignty of God when things are going our way. We, we love talking about, oh, God's in control because I just got blessed. God's in control because things are working out for me. We struggle with the sovereignty of God when we're in Jonah's shoes, like when something happens that we don't agree with. We say, God, why would you let that happen? God, why would you let me suffer? God, why would you not bring justice on the people that wronged me? God, why wouldn't you do this or that? That's when we struggle with the sovereignty of God because we don't agree with what he's seeing from his perspective. And so so the book of Jonah really speaks to that level of, of us coming to terms with the fact that, you know, God's sovereignty, God's control, God's nature is beyond our limit, limited perspective. Um, that, that's, I think that's a really important theme within the book of Jonah that we have to keep in mind of too. For sure. For sure. And I think the other big theme of that is, is the same as like what Christian was saying earlier. And then we read in Romans 9 that, that God has mercy on whom he's going to have mercy. Um, and it's hard for us to understand that. I think it's hard for us to kind of grasp that. And you even see in, in the story of Jonah, I, I still even kind of, my gut, my default sinful instinct is like, man, Jonah's right. Like these, like when, when you say Garrett, that they're just adding this, this God to the altar of their gods. And, you know, they're just basically band-aiding their, their system. Like, well, we got 40 days, let's follow this God and maybe we'll make it, you know, um, you do almost go, man, I thought, you know, I thought God called for, to be all in. Right. 
you know, and that, that's what I think. And so, and then when you read that, that little passage and, and then it says, God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And I think that's huge. I also think that we need to remember when God is calling us, I think another element to Jonah that we sometimes don't teach or, or understand as well is that God calls Jonah at the right time. That was when Nineveh and, and, you know, we, Nineveh may have grasped onto that God. You know, there may have been people that truly were like, oh, this is different. This is a real God. And, and I think God was preparing the city for Jonah to come. And it was in God's timing. And that's another thing we have to, we have to understand is, and we, we went through the story is what it's called and as a whole church. Uh, the last, it was like 36 weeks, I think. And um, there, there's a running rhetoric in there that there's the upper story and that's God's redemptive story. And then there's the lower story and we are the lower story and we play a part in the upper story. We've got to understand the upper story and the lower story is bigger than just one of us. And that's where a sovereign God, we need to rely and trust on him even when we don't understand it. The pinnacle of the book comes in chapter four as well, um, which connects to, you know, God having, having a perfect timing. Um, <clears throat> so in, in chapter four, right before you have Jonah's sarcastic comment where he's like, why, you know, God, I knew you were going to do this. I should have known beforehand. I, this is why I didn't go from you. And God's response what, to Jonah is, so, so chapter four, verses four through 10 is God basically dropping the mic. So he drops the mic on, on Jonah. There isn't really any epilogue or conclusion. It ends with God dropping the mic on Jonah. And, and God looks at Jonah and says, what right, Jonah, do you have to be angry? What right do you have to be angry at me for not relenting and, and destroying these people? And then he uses this object lesson where God brings this plant out of the ground to give shade to Jonah. It covers Jonah. Jonah loves this plant. The plant soothes Jonah. It, it protects Jonah. And then the plant gets whipped, goes away. It, it gets taken away by the scorching east wind. And Jonah's very mad about it. And then again, God says, what right do you have to be mad about the plant? Did you help the plant grow? Did you water the plant? Did you look after the plant? Did you bring this plant to life? And Jonah's like, well, no, but I like the plant. And God says, well, listen, Nineveh was mine. They're my people. I love them. I created them. I formed them just like I formed you all. What right do you have to be mad at me for showing forgiveness and grace and wanting them to do better? What right do you have for me to not relent against them you didn't do anything and he drops Mike and that's how the book ends. I mean, that's, that's it with the book. And, and it's kind of left on that point and, and you're all, you're, you're, you finish the book of Jonah and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's it. So what but, was Jonah's response? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, I what do you, know, what do you even wondering. say to that? You know? All right. So I, I think here's a, a good connection. And I, I just read this. Uh, I've been looking through it. I have a book called the Jesus Bible. I don't know if y'all have seen this before. Mm -hmm. And passion, actually, a conference I went to gave us as a gift, but they, they see how everything, um, they point everything to Jesus. Yeah. In every Old Testament story. And uh, this one, they pointed, they connected Jonah with the, and this is interesting, with the older brother uh, in the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. 
uh, and it's very interesting and they are very and i'm talking very similar to the, to the fact that you know the story in the prodigal son where where the younger son comes home and his dad greets him and he has compassion and mercy even though he spent all of his money kind of like you know he acted in a way that Nineveh almost acted yeah, yeah but then it was the older son like Jonah who uh, you know the older son had stayed there with his father and Jonah maybe uh, thinking along those same lines he is upset that his father showed mercy on his younger brother and it, they connected Jonah in the same way he is upset that God showed mercy to the Ninevites I, I've actually never seen that before, mm -hmm. uh, that connection before, but I, I, that, that's interesting to see. Uh, you know, and in the same story, I think a lot of times when we read the prodigal son, you know, we, I believe we connect a lot to the younger son where God has rescued us and he has saved us. But a lot of times, especially once we become Christians, I believe we connect to the older son as well, uh, where, we're, where we get upset that God, how could you have mercy on them? Uh, you're forgetting about me and it becomes about us. Uh, and I think with Jonah's case that there was a lot of arrogance and, and pride that that caused him not to want to see people get saved. And I think as Christians, if we ever think to ourselves that we get upset when someone comes to know Jesus, I think that is an automatic moment for us to evaluate our own lives. Uh, mm. Because, you know, like, we, you know, Micah said Jonah's sermon, you know, shortest ever, and people started coming to him. And uh, actually in Jonah chapter three, it says they did turn from their evil ways. You know, that's something that as Christians, like that's the goal. Like, man, if especially if I get up there and preach and people start coming to Jesus, I would be thrilled to death. But then it's like, you know, that'd be like if I got up there to preach and a hundred people came to know Jesus, and then after the sermon, I go home, eat Mexican, and I go sit on my couch mad because God saved them. You know, that's well it leads us to this question that I think we all have to ask ourselves is are we following Jesus if the first thing we do when we see someone come to Christ is remember their past. Yeah. Is remembering their past is something that's already been forgotten with God. I mean, yeah. that's what forgiveness is, is everything up until this point is now null and void. You're starting over. And Jonah was unwilling to re to let go of the past of Nineveh and be okay with God bringing them redemption and same thing with, like you said, with, with the older son and the prodigal son story. So are we that same way? When Are yeah. we truly doing kingdom work in the sense that we too, like God, are helping someone move forward in the relationship or are we just kind of staying stuck in where they once were? And, and how dare Jonah, and the same for us, how, how dare us to ever think, that we're better than somebody you know that's what it seemed like like jonah thought oh i'm better than these people like i deserve to be saved but they don't looking at our own sin like i think when we look at the essence of sin the essence of sin is not simply uh you know just the the bad things that we do but the, the essence of sin is our uh rejection of god mm -hmm. and i i think when you look at it from that standpoint of you know even our smallest sin like like even the sin of like like if we look back to the garden uh, you know, obviously eating a fruit is not a bad thing, um, but it was Adam and Eve. They, they, they truly, what was bad about the whole uh, thing in the garden of Eden that they rejected God. Uh, they're eating of the fruit. Is eating fruit bad? No, that's not the sin. The essence of it was that they rejected God by eating that fruit. Mm -hmm. They desired something else. They brought a desire for something outside of God into the perfection. Right. of God's Yeah. Faith. And so, and then, so we get to think like, you know, I've rejected, I, I'm being honest, I've rejected God so many times in my life. How am I to think I'm better than the Ninevites, you know? Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I think uh, it, it also can stem from us not believing in who God really is. I think, uh, like Garrett was saying earlier, mentioned that we kind of follow the God that we want, the God that we understand, and sometimes we 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 think, well, if if I repent and really try to live a good life and really try to do good works and, you know, it makes sense that I'd be saved because I've done good things here. But when we see, or like in Jonas scenario, when he sees people who are insane, crazy people in his eyes and God immediately just like, yep, you're good. You're forgiven. Jonah's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've got the power to do that. Like, wait, what? You know? And I, so I think we, at some level, I think there we probably wouldn't say this, but I think the way we act and the way we talk and the way we react to people being saved, we doubt God's mercy. We doubt, we doubt it. I mean, I think that's, I think we, we have an idea of the people who he can save and that's it. That's all he can save. When in reality, it's every single person, you know, like Garrett was saying, he created the Ninevites. He created them just like he created us. He loves them just like he loves us. And he wants them to, to be in relationship with him, just like he wants us to be in relationship with him. And that, that phrase them applies to any people group we can ever think of. We can ever concoct, make up, um, separate from our own world, uh, whatever it is, all of those thems out there, God has the same love for those people that we do. Even if we don't love them at our own expense, which is wrong, God still loves them. And we don't understand that, I think. And I'm saying we, because I'm probably one of the biggest proponents of that. I don't understand it. It's hard. I'm a sinner. I have a hard time loving everyone the way Jesus does. Uh, and so we, like Garrett was saying, we like to follow the God that we can understand as opposed to the God that we can't understand and, and that we never will understand. Totally. This changes the way we, you know, was it was it last week or the week before we talked about evangelism? Last week. Last week, yeah, we talked about evangelism, and this changes the way we evangelize. It mm. should change. Yeah, it no, should. Yeah. It, also, it also changes the way we ourselves interact with the gospel because – what we see in, in Jonah through the, throughout there's so you see Jonah, you see the the people on the ship, you see Nineveh, all of them see a coming catastrophe. You know, Jonah sees the whale coming, the the ship, um, the the sailors see the storm coming, the Ninevites see the destruction coming, and they all try to do their own thing to avert the disaster. And in some sense, it kind of rolls the ball down the hill away from them but the only way they could escape the disaster was through god's divine grace and love that was the only thing that could relent from the disaster you know jonah threw himself overboard but it was god's love and grace that stopped the the storm jonah was uh sitting in the shade of of the tree but it was only god's grace and love that gave him the the shelter from the scorching heat and Nineveh decided to repent and turn from their ways, but it was only God's grace and love that gave them the escape from their coming disaster. And we have to understand there's nothing we can do ourselves that brings love, grace, and, and redemption. It's only through the power of God. And we have to remember that in our evangelism towards others, and we have to remember that daily in our lives as well, that there's nothing on our own that we can do other than accept what God's doing within us. Yeah, that Brother Ryan, I was in your Wednesday night Bible study last night. He's preaching on that same topic as far as um, 
you, you know, our salvation is not something we do. Mm. Oh, oh, frozen Christian. He's frozen. And we're still salvation, watching. I'm going to guess at his, at his thought, finish his thought. Salvation is not something we do, something we're given freely. Yeah. So I'm guessing. No. Um, yeah, you know, I've heard there's actually a podcast we listen to as a staff at my church that that we actually were listening to these, some of these that they, it's called the Bible study podcast, uh, just for uh, full clarity. Um, I get, I, we actually kind of got the idea from this, but we're using some different stories than they used. Um, but man, the way they have those people, those guys describe some of these stories. And one of those is the prodigal son, which I hope we actually will get to the, the opportunity to talk about uh, in this podcast in the next coming weeks, man, it totally changes the way for me, I interact with the gospel, totally changes the way I think about it, totally changes the way I feel about it, and totally changes the way I look at other people and the way we, we try to evangelize, um, as Christian was saying. And uh, it's supposed to. The gospel's supposed oh, yeah, to be yeah. 180 flip of how religion is. You know, yep. Religion isn't about reaching and trying to attain divinity. It's about receiving into a relationship. Yeah, it's, for it's, sure. The gospel flips everything on its axis yeah and for Jonah sure. was the first one to kind of see this here within yeah. the world yeah. outside of israel yeah yeah i've um, enjoyed this discussion guys i hope uh, we kind of lost christian there um but uh, hey he's back um christian you want to finish your thought that you had going sorry man this huge i mean i'm talking i, I heard it over here i'm down the road from me and i've wondered if that's what it was well, i don't know if we got struck by lightning it's or what here yeah, as soon as that thunder hit, my Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so what I was saying was uh, Brother Ryan was talking on that same topic last night as far as, like, we can't save ourselves. Like, it, it is all the work of God. And he said something interesting to go along with, you know, kind of what Garrett was saying. He said, salvation is not something. It is someone. Mm. Yeah. I tried to guess as to what you were saying, and I was kind of right, but not really. I, I didn't get the verbiage right, but forward <laughs> to hearing it. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good phrase. I think we yours, often... made, yours made better sense, or yours, yours was like more of a powerful uh... Christians. Yeah, yeah, mine was just kind of like a statement. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great, a great line. Salvation is not something, right? It's someone. That's what it was. Uh, that, that's that's really strong. Uh, and that's the truth. And that's, that's the truth, Christian, when you were gone, that's basically what Garrett and I said was the, the gospel, it's a total 180 from what often we think it is. Uh, and Jesus is a total 180 from what we understand in this world. So we hope that you guys will take that truth, uh, take maybe what you maybe have learned for the first time with Jonah. Um, go read Jonah. It's four chapters. Um, that doesn't mean because it's short, you should read it, but you should read it because it's a great story. And the read lessons. What, Ten minutes. I yeah, I mean, yeah. Minutes. Yeah, awesome, yeah, awesome experience. Yeah. It. It's a short read, but it's so powerful. Uh, make sure you get in there and read it. Uh, the next book after that's really good too. It's got a good title. Um, it's Micah for those of you that are wondering. But um, so we're we're excited to continue with this um, uh, this little mini series we're going to do and talking about hopefully some other children's stories um, that you guys have heard and maybe some some deeper um, topics and lessons within those that we can learn. Maybe that we don't see ourselves in, but more things we can learn about God and who he is. That's what this podcast is all about, trying to dive into deeper um, spiritual Bible topics that, that maybe we haven't gone to before and, and, and just speaking straight out of Scripture. 
So we're excited uh, to continue the series. Thank you all for joining us here. This was episode 15, I believe. So um, hey, we're, we're rolling right along, guys. Uh, let me close us in prayer and we'll uh, head out. All right, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for Jonah, uh, even in his struggles. He is human uh, like we are, God. And we thank you for his story. And, and we thank you for your interaction with him and your interaction with uh, the, the, the uh, Ninevites, God. We just, uh, that, that story just brings so much truth to who you are, God, that sometimes we don't like to know. Uh, sometimes we, we are confused um, by certain parts of you, God, and sometimes it doesn't fit maybe the agenda that we had, uh, the idea of following when we follow you. But God, we love and we desire to know more of who you truly are. And, and the book of Jonah, God, his, his interactions with, with the people of Nineveh, that gives us another side of who you are, God, and, and more information as to who you are. And we desire that. And we're thankful for that, Lord. We're thankful for the lessons that, that Jonah uh, hopefully learned and the lessons we can be taught from this, God, that we can apply to our lives as we go out into the world and share the good news of who Jesus is. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.